I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. We have our producer in the studio today, um, who is a dog and is very vocal about his opinions, Mm -hmm. particularly about Bible interpretations. He's got a lot of strong feelings. We are talking about some judges today, uh, but before we get into judgment, um, some a breakfast update. Every once in a while, we like to just explore the world of breakfast news. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, a tweet last week that I thought was a real tweet, but I think it could have been somebody's Photoshop job. Ah, uh, people are getting really good at Photoshop. Aren't they they? Are. <laughs> and you know how it is. Like you don't if you don't really f- click on the next thing, then you just decide that it's real. You decide it's real, and you yeah, know, if the stakes are about, low enough. Yeah. You're like oh wow, and then you yeah. announce it on a podcast. Yeah, whether it's about like nuclear war or what or breakfast cereal, mm-hmm. you just kind of take stakes. it for granted. Yeah. <laughs> so this was I somebody I think had photoshopped a KFC, basically like a fried chicken cereal. <laughs> Was it like in a bucket, like a KFC bucket? Well, it looked like a cereal box. Okay. And like a bowl and then looked like tiny little bits of fried chicken inside of the cereal. And you pour milk in? I mean, I, I can guess only imagine. you decide what you, what you uh-huh. put. Would you eat uh, fried chicken cereal? Yeah. I guess that's the question. Yeah, at least once. Would you put milk on it? If they recommended it, I would try it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there any other, is there a food that you wish you could eat in cereal form? A food. I saw a video earlier today um, and it, I saw it made from start to finish. So this okay. was a real thing, but they, it was very, very thin strands of pancake um, batter being cooked so thin that it looked like pasta noodles and it was scraped up and it was like a big old plate of spaghetti and then it was just covered in maple syrup. Okay. So So not tomato sauce. Not tomato sauce. I think that's, people are doing a lot of that, like food that looks like this food, but tastes like this food. Yeah. Is this a cake or what is the show? Is this this real or is it a cake? I actually really loved that. Is it a a cake show? (laughs) Is that what it's called? Yeah. I think it's good. Mm -hmm. It's something like that. And then they cut into it. It's a cake. Mm -hmm. It's a cake. Yeah. I actually thoroughly enjoyed that. I haven't seen it, so I can't pass judgment. It's actually, it's pretty entertaining, uh, especially I feel like there have been a few seasons over these last couple of years where that's exactly how much thinking I wanted to do. Is it a cake? No, it's a not. Cake or not a cake. I've also, I've also uh, lost a little bit of my life to the floor is lava show. Oh, I haven't seen that one either. Is it what it sounds like? Yes. Okay. It is the premise that you are a little kid and a live, it's like a living room and you have to get across and jump on the couch and the coffee table and imagine that the floor is lava. Is it more, is it like game show ask? Is it like Ninja oh, totally. Warrior? Yeah. 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 But, and the set is really elaborate mm-hmm. and like well thought out. Um, so it isn't just like a, a table. No, it's not chairs. just a living room. It's like mm-hmm. a big set that they've designed. And then you fall into like this red. And once the person falls in, they disappear. They do like some <laughs> crazy photo editing where the person is lost <laughs> to the hot lava. Yeah. And uh, 
I highly recommend it uh, when you don't want to think about <laughs> anything too mm -hmm. deep, mm -hmm. uh, anything deeper than lava. So, um, but I thought it was worth exploring. I couldn't really think of a food that I would want has a, because everything I thought of is already a cereal. Like I thought of be fun to have like a cinnamon roll cereal. Well, that's like, Oh yeah. They made those. That's like a third of that. all cereals is some kind of cinnamony thing. Maybe like a chicken and waffles scenario could be an interesting. Right. Maybe that's what KFC is up to. Yeah. Well, then I tried to track it down. So like, is this a thing? And what I found instead was a bunch of sites about cereal, um, like chicken covered in cereal. So like people, cause yes. that's an actual I've thing. Done, I've done that. People I've done taking that. Like the cornflakes. Corn yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and kind of turning your chicken into something mm -hmm. uh, special and crunchy. So I just thought we should explore that because it seems pertinent to our expertise. Right. Um, My conclusion is that, yes, I would try it. Okay. Good to know. Uh, coming soon to uh, a Photoshopped restaurant near you. We do mm -hmm. need to go. There is a, we, we need to do a reporting from the field. They're mm -hmm. supposed to be in Columbus where I live, a restaurant that's all cereal. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am in. And we need to do a field report on whether or not that is a good way to spend time and money. Yeah. I wonder if they have any inventive cereals I'm or sure if it's they just do. their classic I did think names. it would be good to have a hot fudge, some type of a hot fudge cereal. Oh, that's brilliant. Like, could you play with the the temperature change and like, mm. like you set, you set a little fire in there to make some part of it hot and then you throw cold milk on it. I don't know. Yeah. I shouldn't give this idea away for free. I can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into uh, turbulence is our real topic today. We're going to talk about a woman named Deborah. Uh, before we were getting ready to do this, do you have any working knowledge of Deborah? Honestly, I did not know Deborah's story yeah. before reading it. It's kind of buried. Mm -hmm. The only reason I really was aware of it is mostly because I think we talked about it in the Joshua, we were getting ready for Joshua Judges Ruth. And, um, I learned all about Joshua Judges Ruth during Bible Bowl. Yes. So I did know Deborah's story because, uh, her story leads into one of the most violent um, scenarios in these uh, books. It did. Yeah. It felt very like Greek Odyssey-esque. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so it starts with this idea of judges. And I think it's worth just kind of backing up and saying, who are these? So if you remember, right, we're in this moment where they have the promised land. Uh, Rahab uh, helped them secure the promised land. But things are getting like wilder and wilder just in the world of the people. Okay. And yeah. So we're still looking at the same struggle to get the same. Yeah. Land. They're looking for some order. And a part of having the promised land has been that they're still under threat from other people groups sometimes. And that even in Israel, they're, you know, Moses has brought those big 10 commandments down, but there's still this kind of it's not enough to just have the rules, right? There's still people kind of fighting against it. And so I think the idea of the judges, if I understand it right, is that they are the people who help decide between neighbors. Like if somebody has a violation or if there's something that comes up in the community that they can't quite interpret by the 10 commandments, then these judges, they're kind of like the, the town mayors mm -hmm. They're but they're chosen by God um, to be kind of, to help people decide what's right and what should be next. Um, and there's a pretty regular pattern in these books uh, 
of the judges and the prophets and the kings where there's a pattern of if you have a good judge, like if you have a judge who wants what God wants, then the people are good. Okay. If you have a disobedient judge, then the people rebel. Not on behalf of what God would want. Yeah. And so we're going to see if you read it straight through, like all of Joshua judges and then like Ruth is kind of its own little thing, which we'll get to. But if you look through these historical books, there's this pattern of the people disobeying, the people repenting, a season of renewal, and then it, it starts again. They disobey, they repent, there's renewal. And a lot of times that pattern is dictated by the people who rise up to be judges. So are, is this cyclical um, nature over the course of years or generations or I, you could probably say we're still in it yeah <laughs> but it's it's certainly there in the historical books of okay. the old testament and and in the judges and then even once they formalize that system a little more and you go to kings it's a similar pattern where if it's a good king the people will be good if if it's a troubled king or a king who is prone to idolatry or who gets lost in their selfishness then the people kind of rebel against God. And it's a pattern that they, the people disobey, they repent, they, God restores them. Um, it's a pretty regular thing that happens. And so we're catching them at a moment where Deborah, for all accounts, uh, seems to be a good judge. And, and several of these judges are people who are chosen by God, but that doesn't mean they get everything right. Um, but she appears to be good. Uh, it's worth noting because there are so few uh, figures quite like this. She is a wife. She's also called a prophetess. So she's someone who can kind of interpret what's happening around and see the hand of God at work, I think mm. would be the best way to, to define what a prophet or a prophetess is. She's a judge. These are the things we know about her. We also know that she has a designated tree. Yes, Deborah's tree. <laughs> yeah. She has like her spot. Her office. Yeah. Like this is my office space. And if you have something you need to talk to me about, you come find me at my favorite tree. I want to work at a tree. Yeah, I think that's kind of great. Um, and it's worth saying, I think that women do factor into these stories, but a lot of times it's has wives or mothers. She, even though she is described as a wife, she's one of the women who has the this role that is distinct from her marriage. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit as we've gone, we've seen female leaders before. And I think it's interesting when you think about this, that you could say there needs to be more female leaders, certainly with like our modern sensibilities, we want more stories of women who are leaders. Um, but I also think it's worth just appreciating that there are any stories at all. Yeah, absolutely. That, that in a world where we see just how much the world is kind of driven and powered by men and women are considered valuable for childbearing, that it's actually kind of wildly impressive that so many women are included and noted as influential and valuable to what God is doing. And so here's a woman who in this world is the highest rank of person. Yeah, I did. I really didn't know this story. Yeah. And I think it's because like, we don't have a, we don't have a lot about what she does there, but there are some really important things. Let's just, let's stop here and just say, knowing she's a judge, she's a prophetess, she's a wife, 
She has a special tree. Any thoughts on her breakfast? Yeah, I picture her sitting under this tree. She's obviously very multifaceted, doing a lot of different things, having to settle a lot of different disputes. It reminds me sort of of um, maybe a professor, a teacher who's like sitting at, at the desk all day. Yeah. Managing students coming in, having questions, bickering, and just has their their breakfast way later in the day than they're yeah. expecting and it's in some sort of to-go container yes. and picking it out and eating as they as they're going yeah like uh she just grabs a bag of peanuts out of her out of her bag and she's eating yeah. them in between people coming in and out yeah. of her life needing something from her i wonder because what we don't know is like how power was seen or distributed like i wonder if somebody brought her breakfast mm. like if she commanded mm -hmm. that much influence mm -hmm. um or, or maybe not. Maybe they thought of power differently. Maybe it was more of like a servant position. Uh, um, and so she would have just had to make do with whatever was around. Right. Um, or I wonder if people tried to like bribe her. Right. Like I have this, <laughs> yeah. I have this dispute with <laughs> yeah. my neighbor. Also, I have this ginormous bushel of blueberries. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> and, and for the right call, mm -hmm. you could have, these blueberries could be yours. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think she's probably going to need to stay strong, especially because we see that even though she spends most of her time under this tree, uh, there comes a moment where she ends up going into battle. Because Israel is regularly still in conflict with Canaanites, uh, there's a moment where they need to deal with a threat uh, from this guy Sisera, who's a leader of one of the foreign armies. And... The army is kind of, it's, they're in this conflict, but they need to like get it done. And that means taking out Sisera, who's leading the Canaanite army. And Deborah has this picture that, uh, that Sisera is going to go down because of a woman. But spoiler twist, this is like a M. Night Shyamalan. She's not the woman who brings him down, right? You read this story of like a female judge who finally gets up out from under the tree and goes to battle. But the woman who actually brings him down is a woman who seems really close to him, mm -hmm. uh, who named Jael, who kind of like seduces him almost, like lures him in. And when he's vulnerable. And in a vulnerable moment. Hits him in the head with the, hits him through the head. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know if people listen to this with their kids, but it is, a, the Bible is violent sometimes. So, but it's a tent peg through the temple, mm -hmm. you know, like, so you think of like, I always think of that like soft spot right by your eyebrows. Um, and she basically kills him really, uh, quickly and violently. Um, and Deborah sings a song about it, <laughs> uh, which I hit him in the head. <laughs> maybe the first country song. I don't know. <laughs> I did have a twing there, didn't you I? Could, yeah, you did immediately jump to, uh, to a country song. We're, we're playing with imagination here. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and this song, just the, the people who study language think this song is one of the oldest parts of the Bible um, because of the, the word choice there and the, the, dra the original drafts that are in the scrolls. This seems to be the oldest song. Um, we've talked before about this with Moses, right? This inclination that, because this is a final victory, this tent peg, you know, drives the temple through the Canaanite army and gives the Israelites a little more stability. And it's a pretty big deal, militarily speaking. And so Deborah sings a song and like marks the moment. Right. Um, 
And so it just makes me think about this habit. We've talked about this before, right? That this is a way that you remember something. And I don't know if we've talked about it before with like Christian songs, but there's something to brains uh, where songs are a way to remember, right? Um, have we have we talked about? Can you remember if we talked about this on here before? Uh, I don't. I know that we've talked about it before. About music, yeah. I uh, we I think we talked about it with like. Uh, the Ananias and Sapphira song. Oh yeah, Ananias yeah. and Sapphira. Because <laughs> how like scripture is set to music sometimes. And I know, you know, with my mom having Alzheimer's, I know one of the things that was so remarkable was how much songs were embedded in her brain. As we think about songs in memory, I wonder, do you have songs that if you're quiet for too long or if you're doing something mindless, the song just pops into your head? You have songs like that? Yes. I'm very infamous at work for not realizing that I'm singing out loud and it's usually okay. the same song for very long periods of time, or I won't have a song in my head for forever. And as soon as I get to my desk and sit in my chair, I'm singing the same song, some sort of like positional memory. What's one of your, what's one of your go-tos? Um, the, the tonight <laughs> we are young. That song okay. <laughs> happens a lot, but so I have a lot of like body memory songs yeah. and then, um, there's obviously songs that from when I was really little that as soon as I hear them, my mom always sang tiny bubbles in my wine. Okay. <laughs> so that's always been a very comforting song to me. All right. We had some jingles that we did as a team to open and close track meets. Yes. So, um, lots of different ways that songs make me feel in different yeah. Times. I think it's funny how some of those songs are, they're just defaults. They're just so in our brain. Um, one of my just default, like if a room is quiet for too long, I'll just start singing closing time. Closing time. <laughs> yep. And then if it gets in my head, I'll just sing it out loud all day long. Mm -hmm. And I just learned this about that song, but did you know that that's not about like a bar closing? It's about a woman having a baby. Oh, that they're the songwriter would like sing it to his, his wife's belly. Like, you don't have to go yeah, home. Cool, you can't, you can't stay, stay here. here. <laughs> yeah. That is the legend of that song. That's funny. Um, but one thing I did I'm, not know that. There you go. Fun fact. Uh, but I, uh, one of my default things with having a dog is singing weird songs to him. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of my default songs are hymns. Oh, like, like biblical. Yeah. Which is funny because I didn't really grow up in a super hymn, like, you know, church, but for whatever reason, that is one of the first places my brain goes to. And then I will replace Jesus with my dog's name, which is Archie. And then, yes, I, and then Archie is my firm foundation. Real sacrilegious. <laughs> what a friend I have in Archie. <laughs> <Sing that. laughs> Archie. Archie is forgiveness. Yeah. A lot of my songs are new edition songs. Do you know who they are? They are like, mm -hmm. a, they were a boy band kind of in the style of Jackson five. Okay. Um, they predate new kids on the block. Okay. And my sister, uh, Chris Reffitt, who does the music for our podcast or who provides that soundtrack, she made me a cassette of all these new edition songs. And so they pop up in my head, like just a default. Um, and so it makes it, I think when we consider how much that is wired in our brain and knowing that we all have this playlist of songs that just runs through our head, it makes it more impressive. I think that these scriptural, uh, that that's an impulse in scripture, mm -hmm. right? That God seems to have wired people for that. Mm -hmm. So that if you were living in Israel wondering, you know, how did we get this land? Um, how did we get these victories? You might just start Sing singing the song. the song of Deborah, mm -hmm. um, when the room was too quiet or when you needed to remember 
why you were where you were and why you had the home you had. And so I kind of just love that that is built into uh, these stories is the power of music. So maybe that's something we could think about uh, over breakfast the next day is what, what when you're quiet, what just comes up in your brain and what is your brain and your body trying to hold on to is a is a worthwhile thing, a thing, thing to think about and a way for us to appreciate the story of God being set to music. Uh, thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Translation. The rock and the